0: Philippians chapter number three. Thankful for those who helped us in areas of parking and handing out letters this morning. And Brother Mason for putting together a service schedule. The list could probably go on. Teachers in the back with kids. Amen. Grateful for everybody and their efforts. Philippians 3. Remember, camp meeting registration is open online if you plan on going. Amen. Avail yourself of those services with Brother Jeff Moses being night speaker and Brother Jonathan Atkins evangelist, Jonathan Atkins day speaker. I know our lives will be blessed. Amen. By their ministries. Amen. Philippians 3. I'm going to begin reading. In verse number 10, real quickly, and this don't necessarily go on the podcast right here, but asking the church to help me pray. We have our uh, National Assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ General Ministry Conference coming up very quickly in the month of June, and uh, of course have the, uh, the privilege of ministering there, but in addition to that, there are several different offices on the national level that are opening up, and I have. I've been spoken to on a few different things concerning uh, fulfilling one of those national offices or being a part of a team for another. And I've been praying along the journey for some time concerning this, about what to do. I'm just asking you to help me pray. God, give me a definitive direction on what needs to be done. I am not politic, and I'm not a politician. I don't go around talking to people and saying, Well, you know, you get me in there, and we'll make the assemblies great again. Okay, uh, and I have always went by the thing that if God opens a door, I'll step through the door. And so just, ask, just be praying with me because I don't want to do a misstep in any direction or any way. Uh, so, well, you'd be serving, well, still, yeah. It's got to be the right man for the right time. And if that's me, so be it. If not, so be it. Amen. So I'm just asking for your prayers in that endeavor. Amen. Philippians chapter number three and verse number 10. The Apostle Paul states these words. That I may know him. The power of his resurrection. The fellowship of his sufferings. Being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained. Either were already perfect. But I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of, Christ Jesus. Paul says, I want to know him, the power of his resurrection, fellowship of his sufferings. So basically, his death, his burial, his resurrection. He said, but I'm not necessarily counting myself to have fully attained. Interesting. I count on myself to have fully attained the resurrection of the dead. And he makes this phrase in verse 12. He says, I endeavor to apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. For a little while tonight, minister this, the death, burial, and resurrection. Now what? Death, burial, and resurrection. Now what? So much so of Christendom is focused and arranged around those three primary things of the death, burial, and resurrection. It's as though after that has been fulfilled or taken place or been initialized in a life then. So now what do we do? Where do we go from here? Lord, I come to you tonight. I'm asking God for your help. Lord, here this evening. God, perhaps there's somebody in this place. This will be a benefit to. And God, if it's not in this immediate place, perhaps there is somebody by way of podcast, Lord, that this will be of some help or benefit to. I pray, God, regardless whether it's here or whether it's there, I pray, oh, Lord, for your anointing, Lord Jesus, upon my lips of clay. Help us, oh Lord, today, God, just to fall in line, God, with your purpose and your plan, God, for this service tonight. God, and I, Lord, when I return, Lord, to my home this evening, Lord, I will give you thanks and praise. God, for what you do. In Jesus' name that I pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated tonight. In Jesus' name, the death, burial, and resurrection. Now what? While it is true this evening, and... It's already been emphasized over and over again today that Jesus died and that he was buried and that the Bible says that God raised him up. The story, however, does not stop there. Well, that seems to be a primary focus and a goal for every believer, for anyone that's ever been in the lostness, if you will, of sin. The story does not stop there. We emulate those steps of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ by obeying the gospel through our repentance, through our baptism, and through our receiving of the Holy Ghost. But this is not the end. To settle back in our laurels, so to speak, after our born-again experience is to misunderstand Jesus' own resurrection. The resurrection in and of itself was not the only climax in his story. Neither should it be the only climax in our story. We capitalize on the Passover or what is known as Resurrection Day. And we capitalize on a feast that happened 50 days past that called Pentecost that we rally around as Pentecostals and Apostolics. We talk about Pentecost because it was the day in our estimation that the resurrection power was initialized in us. That what Jesus had happened to him at Passover was initialized in um, in us on the day of Pentecost, the church. But there are some other aspects of his resurrection that we best not miss being children of the Most High God. The Bible tells us that Jesus was, as I taught on Wednesday night, the firstborn or the first begotten from the dead in the sense that he rose from the dead into immortality. Amen. Others rose as mortals that would indeed die again, but not Christ. He rose as an immortal being never to die again. And so with this being said, the resurrection of Jesus is is about more than the dead coming back to life. It is about the dead coming back to life and continuing to live. It's about the dead coming back to life and continuing to live. If, if the Pentecostal church, in my personal estimation, has failed in any area concerning the gospel, concerning the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it is in the fact that we have shared how the dead can come to life. But we left them clueless about continuing to live victoriously after they've been born again of the water and of the Spirit. This is not me clicking, if you will, my timesheet saying, I've met the requirements of the three. And now I can just settle back in my seat or in my home or in my saved station and somehow just wait patiently for the clouds to split and the last trump of God to sound. And I can just go on home. No, 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 folks. There is some living that goes on between the resurrection and the new birth of the church. And if that's the case for Jesus, that needs to be the case for those that are born again. Someone say amen. I see in scripture that Jesus didn't get up from the grave and then just go find some place of seclusion for the next 40 days that he was upon this earth and just wait for his ascension. He wasn't at home with his feet propped up, amen, looking at the camels going by, just waiting for the time that he was to go up into the heavenlies. He wasn't twiddling his thumbs, amen, just waiting to make his debut in the sky so people could gaze at him and stare at him as he made his departure from the earth. Hallelujah. Someone say amen. And if Jesus didn't spend his days after his resurrection like that, no. Neither should we. We don't. Someone say amen. Honey, what that means is this, Bishop. I don't need to either put myself in a place of seclusion and just be in the wings waiting, if you will, for the last, Jesus wasn't waiting for his ascension and neither do I just need to be waiting around for the rapture of the church when the trump of God shall call. Amen. I don't want there to just be bystanders and say, there they go, but we haven't seen them for the past few days. Jesus arose from the tomb amen he walked among the people he spoke with the people he interacted with the people he did miracles as he did before amen he intermingled with the people and the Bible tells me in the book of Acts that we've been in for a long time now it tells me that Jesus after he resurrected shewed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them for days and speaking the things that pertaining to the kingdom of God what that means is this Jesus had some living even after the resurrection there's more to this apostolic Pentecostal life than just being born again there's some living on the backside of your new birth experience Bible tells me, 1 Corinthians 15. I'm unsure if I shared this scripture, Brother Zach, but if I didn't, God bless me. Amen. 1 Corinthians 15, speaking about Jesus' activity in those 40 days. There was activity. Someone say activity. There were things going on in the life of Jesus in those 40 days. Yeah. The Bible says, First Corinthians 15 and verse number 1. Moreover, brethren, the apostle Paul writing, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. If ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, talking about the gospel here, you first of all, which I also received, how that Christ died, there we go, for our sins according to the scriptures. All right. And that he was buried. Yep, there we go. And that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. But he doesn't stop there. I've, I've missed this all my life. I always just summed up the gospel and the death, burial, and the resurrection. But it's almost as Paul is including as part of the gospel, not just the death, not just the burial and the resurrection, but the life that was lived after resurrection. Because he continues and says, and he was buried, that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, and then of the twelve. And after that he was seen above five hundred at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present. But some are fallen asleep. He was also seen of James, and then of the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of of me also as one born at a due time. The apostle Paul was saying, the gospel entails more than just repentance. Repentance, more than just baptism in Jesus' name and more than the infilling of the Holy Ghost. The gospel also includes what you do with your life after you receive the Holy Ghost. Uh, Amen. Amen. And so he is explaining this to them. Amen. He shooed himself, Christ shooed himself alive after his resurrection. It wasn't just enough, amen. It wasn't just enough for Jesus to be up out of the grave and breathing and having respiration that was taking place. It wasn't just enough to have a vacant tomb, amen, that everybody could point to and say, see... He's not there anymore, we told you so. But the Bible says that he was seen among them, he was heard speaking among them, and by many infallible proofs, he substantiated the fact that he was the living Lord and there was indeed an empty tomb. In so much so, even two generations later, when the writer Eusebius was interviewed. He interviewed and had written concerning many people who had known. This is documented history. Many people had known and had saw Jesus Christ during that 40 day period after his resurrection. And they tell stories of miracles that he performed even some sermons that he had preached and letters that he had written during those 40 days after his resurrection. What I'm trying to hammer home in our minds today, the idea of just being born again of the water and the spirit and we got our ticket and we can just buckle our seatbelt and it's all said and done is a bunch of baloney. I don't care how thin you slice it, it's still baloney. I'm here to tell you tonight, there is life to be lived, uh, amen, post-resurrection, post your experience with God. We need to figure out what our purpose is. We need to figure out what God would have us to do. We need to figure out as our days are numbered up on this earth, what would God have me do? Now think about this. This is convicting to me. That the last verse of the last gospel. Which is the gospel of John. He sums it up quite well. Because John 21 is actually some of the things that Jesus did in that 40 days. He says this. John says. And there are also many other things. Which Jesus did. The which. If they should be written every one. I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. This hit me today as my mind gravitated toward this verse of scripture. Perhaps this is the way that of times I have considered this verse of scripture. That perhaps John was referencing the whole panorama, if you will, of the ministry of Jesus whenever he started his public ministry after his wilderness testing until his ascension. Maybe John was saying from the time that Jesus started this ministry until he ascended, there could have been a whole lot more written, and had it been, the world itself could not contain the pages thereof. But today it hit me since this is chapter 21. And since this is some of the things that happened in that 40-day period after Jesus' resurrection, I'm just toying with the idea in my mind or could John have been saying and simply implying that Jesus did so many things in those last 40 days. Jesus did so many things things in those last 40 days after his resurrection. That even the world itself could not contain the books necessary to write what he did after his resurrection. Someone say amen. And with that consideration, I want to ask us all a very honest question here tonight. Have you done anything meaningful with your life in Christ that's been worth recording? Or have you been stuck on being brought into this new life and you failed to continue to live? What I'm saying is it's very easy to become enamored with having been saved from death to the place you're so enamored you forget or you put off the fact that you need to live. See, for some people in the New Testament scripture, an empty tomb wasn't enough for them. Testimonies of other people. You read your Bible in the Gospels. I have this week. I've reread all the accounts of, of the resurrection of the Lord throughout the scriptures and the Gospels. And there's testimonies of other people that have come to people that believed in Jesus and believed in Christ. Testimonies, people coming to them and saying, we have seen the living Lord. And for those who had been believers, that was not enough. Mary Magdalene and some of the ladies, some of the women had been to the sepulcher. They returned from the sepulcher. They were commissioned by the angels that they had seen. The angel said, go tell the apostles and all the others that he is not here, that he is risen. And so Mary, Magdalene, and the ladies leave the sepulcher. They go back to the apostles, and the Bible says to all the rest of the group, and they tell them he is not there, but he is risen. And this is their recorded response to their testimony in Luke 24:11. And their words seem to them as idle tales, and they believe them not. For those people. They needed something more than just the concept that a resurrection had happened. They needed to see the life that came after the resurrection. They needed more than a story about somebody that had resurrected from the dead. They needed somebody to live the resurrected life before them. It wasn't enough to know, oh, that happened to them. No, I want to see it played out in my own eyes in our life. That Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Consider, if you will, the convincing that, that this is the reason why. we there, there is something beyond new birth. There is something that is required that we need to do, that we need to engage in. Consider, if you will, the two on the road to Emmaus after... The resurrection to disciples on the road to Emmaus. After the resurrection, they begin to talk among themselves. They describe everything that has happened. Jesus shows up while they're talking. They do not realize it is Jesus, but he shows up and they're like what are you talking about you don't know what we're talking no, about he, he's just playing you know playing it all up no i don't know tell me about this so man they start rehearsing it all well jesus of uh, of nazareth they start to tell how he was condemned to death they begin to tell jesus about how he was crucified and how they thought and everybody thought that jesus was to be the redeemer of israel to bring the nation of israel back where it needed to be and this is this amazes me they're talking to jesus while they're telling him all this and they said the to this is the third day Because the promise and the thing that was spoken. Is on that third day he's going to rise again. But listen to me. They went a little further while they talked. Above all that it's the third day. And then they started talking about these ladies. Mary Magdalene and those ladies. Said there were some ladies that come. And relate their experience with the angels at the sepulcher. And they talked about an empty tomb. And they told others about it. And even some of the others ran to the tomb. And they verified what the ladies had said. Yet still. There seems to be no impact. Nothing going on. And the Bible says later that day as they constrained the Lord, still not knowing it was him, to come into the house that whenever he broke bread, their eyes were open, and they realized who it was. And whenever they seen that, the Bible says they returned right back to Jerusalem to tell others, this is what they said. The Bible says they told them the Lord is risen indeed. What made that that so imperative to them now rather than before because they had more than a story of a resurrection they had the life of a resurrected individual that lived and breathed and was seen right before their very Amen. honey they might know your story but they need to see your life lived they might have heard about what happened to you but they need to see it lived out there's something beyond the resurrection The reason why they went back and said indeed is because they had witnessed the life of the resurrected Lord right before their eyes. He shewed himself alive to them and they saw him and they heard him with their own ears. It wasn't a story being told by another. They had witnessed it for themselves. See, Jesus Jesus kept himself cloaked with purpose there for a moment with those two boys. But let's learn something from this tonight, folks, from those two Emmaus boys. It would serve, listen to me, as a church, as a people that's been born again, it would serve our best interests And the interest, listen to me, and in the interest of those that remain in the balance on this new life thing, On this Holy Ghost experience thing. It would serve our best interest. And their best interest. If we remove the cloak. And make ourselves known to our generation. Because those boys, whenever he made himself known and he departed, one looked at the other and said, Did not our hearts burn within us as he walked with us? But we didn't know he was the resurrected life. Honey, if you keep this thing cloaked up, you're going to rub shoulders with people and their hearts going to burn within them and they're not going to know why unless you live the life of your resurrection before them. That's something that's after all of this. When he made himself known, it removed all doubts. They said, this is the life. This is he indeed. Now The Bible says, the Bible says that Paul, back to our scripture setting, Philippians 3, he said that I may know him. And here's his checklist, okay? He then, he then continues with his checklist, that I may know him. Here we go. Power of His resurrection, check. Paul was filled with the Spirit. Holy God. Checklist: the fellowship of His sufferings, check. Night and day, I've spent in the deep, in perils of my own countrymen. Forty stripes, save one, huh? Check. He said, "I bore my body the marks, right." Check. Made conformable unto his death. He had met baptism. Check. And then verse 11. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of that. Now, Paul, what in the world are you doing? You told us, going through your checklist, that I might know him. And the power of his resurrection. You've received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And now you're saying if you might obtain, might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Paul, you have repented. Paul, you, you, you've been baptized and you have received the Holy Ghost, but you still say if by any means you might attain unto the resurrection of the dead? dead? What in the world? I mean, you've done it, Paul. You have arrived. right. I mean, you're just waiting to walk through the pearly gate. You have the Spirit of God in you. I mean, what more could there be? Now, I understand tonight, and I'm not going to get real trivial or or just uh, uh, dance back and forth over this. I understand on one hand that the Apostle Paul may be talking about the resurrection of his body someday in the rapture, that he's not yet attained the resurrection of the dead. He's not yet died and resurrected in a very physical sense, that that his body someday in the rapture, amen, will resurrect. But I also, I am also very confident, and I believe that Paul understood that the resurrection of the dead isn't just about receiving the Holy Ghost. It's about, as Jesus did, showing yourself alive after the fact. Paul said, I've not yet attained. In other words, he says, I got the Holy Ghost, but I've not yet attained. Paul had it right. The gift of the Holy Ghost was his birth certificate, not his diploma. Someone say amen. Paul wasn't perfect, he agreed that he wasn't. In other words, he's saying, I'm not complete yet. In other words, he's saying, there's a life to be lived after I've received the Holy Ghost. And then note the next phrase that Paul shares with us. (laughs) And this should be our desire. This should be our mission. Our mission of discovery for everlasting one of us sitting under the sound of my voice tonight. Listen to Paul's next phrase here. He says, but I follow after. If that I may apprehend that. For which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. He says, I follow. After. It's in the next verses Paul's going to go to his, his race analogy about pressing toward the mark of the prize of the high calling which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. But he says, I'm going to follow after. That means I, I'm going to run or I'm going to flee. I'm going to run swiftly in order to catch a person or a thing. It means that he's going to be engaged, if you will, figuratively in a race to swiftly reach his goal. You know what Paul understood? Paul understood that his born-again experience... Was more than essential and necessary steps for heaven. Here's where it's at Paul knew that Jesus had saved him, here it is, on purpose for a purpose. And Paul was not satisfied. Until he caught the purpose for which Jesus had saved him. That's the reason why he says, I follow after. If I might apprehend or I might grasp that for which also I am caught or grasped by Christ Jesus. In other words, Christ saved me with a reason. And I'm going to continue on the journey until I find out what the reason was he saved me for. That goes beyond your repentance. That goes beyond your baptism. That goes beyond your new birth. We got to come to terms with, God, why did you save me? What's my purpose? What's the reason? What are you wanting me to do after my resurrection? Someone say amen. I agree we're all baptized by one spirit into one body, but we need to be seeking out What our purpose is in the body. If God saved Paul with a purpose in mind. I am convinced that he has saved us all with a purpose. In mind. And in spite of I don't care who they are may tell you. There are no unnecessary members in the body. Our repentance and our baptism and our Holy Ghost and filling, Brother Zach McGee, put us all in the body. But it's once we're in the body, we need to be seeking after that reason, why, purpose, God saved us for in the. Come on say, Amen. Sorry, I stated a different way. One, one verse said like this, "Our task in life is to do this: lay, a, lay hold of what? Lay a hold of that for which Christ laid a hold of us." Lay a hold of that for which Christ laid a hold of us. And so Paul here in the Philippian scripture has made a vow. A vow to himself, a vow among the Philippians this. That after I've experienced the resurrection power, after I've experienced the unfilling of the Holy Ghost, I'm going to go on living until I discover the purpose that God has for me, the Apostle Paul. Now see, here's the thing. There'll be other blowjoes that was sitting somewhere in a hut or a mud-daubed building that they got the Holy Ghost and they're sitting there till the second coming of Christ. Paul says, But I know I'm not here without him wanting me here for a purpose. And I'm not going to be satisfied till I figure out what that is. So I'm going to do some living on the backside of my resurrection. Mm -hmm. And so he's going to live his life. Trying to fulfill that purpose, he's going to follow after it. He's going to run after that goal. He's going to run after that goal. What his purpose is? The columnist Herb Caian wrote in the San Francisco Chronicle. He said, every morning in Africa, a gazelle wakes up. It knows it must run faster than the fastest lion. Or it will be killed. He said, Every morning a lion wakes up and it knows it must outrun the slowest gazelle or it will starve to death. He said, It doesn't matter whether you're a lion or a gazelle. He said, But when the sun comes up, you better be a running. What I'm saying is this your purpose might not be my purpose. And my purpose might not be your purpose, but we all need to be involved in the endeavor of trying to figure out what our purpose is. One might be a lion and another might be a gazelle, but whenever the new day comes, I got some living to do on the backside of my resurrection. Someone say amen. And so God has a purpose for you. And here's the thing, folks. The impact of your purpose is immeasurable. To those that are in need of the assurance of the salvation message. Your purpose is immeasurable to those upon whom are counting on you. The Bible says, Philippians 3 and verse 15. He goes on. He says, let us therefore as many as be perfect. He wasn't claiming to be perfect, but he says as many as, as be. It's something that we are going toward. Be thus minded doing what? Trying to seek out what the purpose is for our lives on the backside of our new birth experience. If anything ye be otherwise minded, if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. He says, nevertheless, whereto we have already attained? Let us walk by the same rule and let us mind the same thing. He said, Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an ensample. Listen to me here this evening. Paul is conveying a few things here. Number one, I believe he's conveying that one of the greatest frustrations to finding your purpose is mistaking someone else's purpose for your own. Did that make sense? Did that make sense? One of the greatest frustrations in you trying to find your purpose is trying to adopt somebody else's purpose as your own. Because too often, I believe, we assume our trajectory in our Christian experience post-resurrection will mirror the exact image of another. Mm -hmm. And I, I do by no means... I do by no means refute tonight that there are some non-negotiable threads of similarity in all of our lives. But there will also be some nuances too that's just specific to your purpose. And your purpose that God has saved you for. Paul admonishes the Philippians. This is important. Listen to me. Paul admonishes the Philippians. He says, you all. You want want to get off track concerning what you should be doing post-resurrection? He said, then I admonish you to stray away from civil war breaking out among you. Let me tell you, present-day Syria is a good indication that civil war has nothing but havoc and a cost to it. Here's what he says. He said, if there's some point on which you see things differently, he said, God will make it clear to you. That's what he said. You know what he said, though? In the meanwhile, let's go forward on the road that's already brought us to where we are. He says, rather than losing time and what we should be doing on the backside of our resurrection, because we see things a little differently than the brother or a little off from our sister. He said, let's continue traveling the proven road that's brought us to where we are. He's telling him, he says, I don't want you boys to be getting held up over some petty differences among yourselves because one perceives a a, a thing a different way or a particular way. He says, for that matter, he says, we don't need to be superimposing our purpose on other people. So not only can you get frustrated by trying to claim somebody else's purpose, you can frustrate other people by putting your purpose on them. Not everybody was meant to be a preacher. Not everybody was meant to be a Sunday school teacher. Not everybody was meant to be a musician. But we all were meant to be prayer warriors and Bible readers and pastors and dedicated. There is a common thread. We all have nuances. But I'm not going to put my purpose on you if you don't try to put your purpose on me. But we all got some living to do on the backside of our new birth experience. Says, what I want you boys to do is to continue to know this tried and true road, amen, that brought us to where we're at. rather than be unstifled over these little points, if you will, these little subjective points and questions, continue on this road of purpose. Now, yeah. it serves to reason, Paul seems to describe, that God would reveal it to them, meaning this, that God will give clarity as they continue to walk the road that brought them to where they are. (laughs) In other words, keep traveling this same old way here because it's been faithful in getting you to where you're at and he finally says brothers be united if you will he says let's let's be united let's be followers together let's be united following my rule of life in other words take you some models people that people that is modeled if you will Living life after their new birth experience of finding their purpose, initializing that, and living it out. Find you some people like that that you can model after, that you can study them. Don't follow these novices. Don't don't listen to people that, 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 that says, oh, you don't have to worry about that, and they're not engaged in their purpose. The last thing you want to do is follow somebody that's not found their own purpose yet. Death burial, and resurrection. You don't want to be somebody that's sitting in the house waiting for the rapture because you've been born again. You don't want to follow that example. Amen. You know, you want to find the example of somebody that they're out there, they're trying, and you know what? They're even failing sometimes. But in the process, each time they're getting closer to why, the reason why God saved them. And it was more than just to have another number in the heavenlies. someone say glory if you can stand, I'll, I'll wrap this thing up and we'll put it in the Easter egg before we go home please listen to me in these just few last little moments here the death the burial the resurrection now now and I read and you're hearing this. 18 and through 20. And I don't have that up there. Parenthetically, Paul states. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. Whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is their shame, who mind. Listen, earthly things. He says, for our conversation is in heaven and from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ Paul sums all these things up by saying this that there are gentlemen Philippians those that are enemies of the cross of Christ I want to point bring some clarifiers here for us tonight the enemies of the cross of Christ Christ Are not those that refuse to identify with him in repentance. Refuse to identify with him in baptism. Or refuse to be recipients of the infilling of the Holy Ghost. The enemies of the cross of Christ. Are the ones that have experienced the power of his death. The power of his burial. And the power of his Resurrection, but they live their lives minding earthly things, and they don't live after they've been resurrected. In other words, they have availed themselves of the work of Christ, but they've not sought out their purpose in Christ. They've not made no attempts. They are in no journey, any race, no walking, no furtherance to try to discover why God saved them. They squandered their time post-resurrection on meaningless things. They served their time post-resurrection on temporal things. They are producing no infallible proof. About what's happened. In their life. They're neither seen. Nor are they heard. Concerning the things of the kingdom of God. As Jesus was. After his resurrection. Their lives are consumed with. The kingdom of this world. And Paul simply states. Contrasting them. To himself and what he desired. Philippians to be he says but our conversation is in heaven now the enemies of the cross they want the gift but they don't want to seek out their purpose and they keep just tethered to the earthly and the worldly he says we have the same experience but we're seeking out our purpose and our conversation is heavenly things our conversation is heavenly things because I understand There's a life to be lived after the resurrection. Forty days after his passion, many infallible proofs seen and heard of them. I want, I want someday, whenever I leave this earth, it not to be the first time that some have seen and heard and have had proof that we were born again. In the water and the spirit. My prayer is that when I leave this earth someday, I will have been just short, if not have had my hand on the purpose of why God brought me into his precious body among his precious family. You don't know what your purpose is? Every day I'm seeking. it. Every day. Oh, but pastor, you know. You you know, six plus years in evangelism. Wasn't that your purpose? You're pastor now. You you know, you teach Bible studies. Let me tell you, I'm constantly in search for it. Constantly in search for it. My question is, do you have anything recorded about how you've been in search of your purpose? Because it's more than your repentance. It's more than your baptism more than the infinite. You have some living to do on the backside of your experience. You need to find your purpose. Paul says, I need to find that for which Christ apprehended me. I need to find that for which he apprehended me. Why? Why? I need to lay hold of the reason why he laid a hold of me. The death, the burial, and the resurrection. But now what? There's some living to do. Of our If we just bow our heads in this place. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.